This episode is brought to you by Middleway Marketing, a digital marketing agency based out of Austin, Texas, specializing in the medical aesthetics industry. They'll help your business grow by developing customized digital marketing campaigns that include everything from strategy and planning, content creation, and campaign execution. From websites to custom videos, pay-per-click to social media management, Middleway will find the right solution for you. If you're a provider of medical aesthetics services and looking to expand your business, reach out to them at info at middlewaymarketing.com. That's I-N-F-O at middlewaymarketing.com. Hey, group chat. I know y'all see my text. There's tea to be spilled. Each week, we're bringing you our unfiltered take on culture, news, dating, and our lives as Black millennial women. We're coming to y'all with the honesty and eye rolls that only a text chain with your girls can. This is Black Girls Texting with Chelsea, Glenn, and Shade. Welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Texting. This is a juicy little treat. I'm joined by Glenn Hogue and Chelsea Pinky. What it do, ladies? How you feeling? What it do? Hey, girl. I'm on one today. I was going to say, Glenn has an attitude. <laughs> oh, so you ready to jump right in. Would right. You, tell, tell us what you put on red. On red or reply. Yeah. Girl, I am putting that film, Malcolm and Marie, on a hot red, on red. I don't know how much more you could put something on red. Like, put my phone on do not disturb, maybe. Put my phone underneath my pillow. Yeah, my, my phone is in the next room. Let the battery die. Girl, <laughs> I'm saying, if y'all know, we've been talking about this. I've been on a search to get my romantic idealizations, idealizations, whatever, back. Trying to that was find... like a Spanish accent. <laughs> idealizations. <laughs> I was like, what? I don't know, sis. I'm trying to get that thing back, you know. So, you know, uh, Sylvie's love has already let me down, so... Um, now we have Malcolm and Marie has stepped onto the scene over the summertime. We get these cute ass little black and white images of this couple together. I'm like, okay, this looks like it's about to be a moment. Comes out last night. I sit down to watch. It opens up. It seems like it's going to be cute. And, you know, it begins as this whole little, I'm not going to spoil it too much, but it's a filmmaker and his girlfriend coming home after the premiere of his like biggest film ever or something. And it's all dialogue. And I kind of like those like, like two characters talking. There's these movies before sunrise, before sunset. And it's just the two of these, this couple. And you can like notice the dynamics of their relationship. One thing I will note about the dynamics of this particular relationship is that it's toxic as fuck it's so t- terrible and abusive and horrible um so not romantic at all and it's being touted as a black love story so that's fucking disrespectful and um, rude and just like didn't not what we needed um and then it's it's this whole commentary on what it means to be a black artist and like whether as a black artist if your work has to be inherently political and like the stress that this black director feels to make work that says something because he's black and the ways that white white critics are always going to assume that his work is trying to communicate something which word I felt before as an artist but then I'm sitting and watching and I'm like wait this whole shit was written by some white man. And the more and more you listen, you realize that he's just kind of like switching the words and making it black because he actually feels that he has been pigeonholed and he's not allowed to say the things that he wishes he could say as a white man. So he just like 
put a black person in it, filtered it through a black man's mouth. And it kind of makes me feel like I was watching a black face performance. I'm gonna just say that. Whoa. Wait, can I just push back a little bit though? Aren't you doing exactly what he is, I guess, commenting on? Like, so he is, I believe he's a gay or queer um, white man. And so do you think he can, he's only allowed to make art about gay, queer, white people? Why can't he make art about black people? I don't, I agree. But I think it's the fact that he used the film to have a conversation about shit that is so personal to those he basically used like if you're gonna make a film that's about what it means to be an artist and like all of this cerebral shit just make the film about yourself and the shit that you're going through why did it have to be about a black artist and you're referencing Barry Jenkins and Spike Lee and all this shit like there was all this work done to make it what the experience of being a black artist black filmmaker black director is and I'm like it doesn't really feel like you have the right to make this this movie and and I agree like I I definitely have had all these conversations before like who's allowed to make this who's allowed to make that and the film is kind of getting at that so it's like very meta but it just feels like so fucking irresponsible and when you realize that they got a 30 million dollar budget to make this fucking movie and there's so many other black directors and filmmakers who could have made this damn movie it's so disrespectful and infuriating i'm i'm pissed like it's infuriating i'm so angry oh my god i can't even i can't i'm trying to think of something that i can reply to to make me happy it's it's definitely a nuanced topic because i would feel like Like, you know, this conversation comes up too, like for actors, like how dare you play a certain role if you don't have that experience. But like at the end of the day, to me, it's like art, but I do understand your criticism. I think it's very, it's very complicated. I have to see it so I can be more informed, but um, I love your passion about it. I think this is good. It didn't necessarily spark the romance, but it definitely, you know, got you. It got me in my bag. It got me inspired, definitely. Inspired. Which is what art should do. It should yes. make you feel something. So there is this, this this debate that they have in the film that's like, art doesn't have to say something, but it should make you feel something. And they're like going back and forth, like that's irresponsible. Um, it should, art should say something. Because you know, there's this thing that they say, like art is inherently political. Um, yes. I don't know. I mean, I've definitely had these debates as well. Like, does it have to be right? Like, and that's why I'm just like, can I just see a movie that makes me feel like romantic? Like I'm watching fucking Love Jones and I'm like, oh my God, I fucking love Love Jones. But Love Jones might also be kind of political in its own way, quote unquote, because it was just a fucking beautiful love story of Black folks. And it did something for that. Chelsea's making a face. Love Jones is an iconic film. And for that matter, perhaps why is Chelsea is political, political. I, I didn't love the characters in Love Jones. Not, They're toxic. My, not my people. They're toxic. So are Malcolm and Marie. Oh. Um, I'm going to just sit down here and, I, and it's just the only thing that's occupying my brain. I'm going to add a reply to it because everything is nuanced, right? Um, I thought that, that Malcolm and Marie, I'm going to reply to how beautifully it was shot. And the soundtrack is absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal okay. soundtrack. Um, And I do think that some of the conversations that it is trying to raise are worth entertaining. It was just rendered so heavily handed and irresponsible and um, just lackluster. It took me like seven hours to watch the fucking movie. I had to just keep pausing it. I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? There was like a Kanye-esque rant in it. I just, 
see, look, I'm already back in the negative. The music was beautiful. All right. What about you guys? What are you leaving on red and replying to? Oh my God. We have to have a deeper conversation about that because it's definitely complicated. Like I sent you guys this video of um, Mackenzie Thomas Williams. She's like from The Voice um, and she was singing that sit on it, Ari, um, Ari Lennox and uh, Jasmine Sullivan song. And I was like, would this be problematic if she looked like, like Kim K, for example? Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like people are letting it slide, but if it were someone else, they would be like, that's, you're not allowed to sing our stuff. I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I don't feel like care about like, that shit. Well, we know you don't care about <laughs> things <laughs> like that, but like some people would. But anyways, this week I am replying to two amazing women in my life. One uh, will hopefully be my future mother-in-law one day. Um, and she was one year cancer-free. So shout out to her. Um, and then the other is my sister who went back to school. So shout out to her. Um, so she'll be getting her master's. And then on red, I am putting people that just do too much on social media on red. There was a woman who gave birth to her first child on Clubhouse. I'm leaving that on red. There is a woman who literally is going viral for putting like gorilla glue in her hair stupid i'm putting that on red so just people being extra online i don't know if it's for clout or if they're really this ridiculous but putting all of that on red yo gorilla glue shorty i'm like sis all right are you now, done can you take it out your head i i'm entertained but i feel bad being entertained by this people are like oh i put your your, your notification I, put, I turn my notifications on for you she has mad followers and she keeps posting like updates about this gorilla glue thing i do think She's so like cute. Like she has this like New Orleans accent. And like, I think she's like kind of, I wish she didn't have the Gorilla Glue thing. Like I'd love to see her make other types of content. I feel like she would be like entertaining in other ways, you know? Yeah, because that's just dumb. Why would you put Gorilla Glue on your head? Unless you're trying to viral. What if it was under the cabinet? What if it was under the cabinet in the bathroom? Girl, she knew that she was putting Gorilla Glue. She was like, well, I guess this will do. Right. You have Clorox under your sink. Does that mean you put it in a glass and drink it when you're oh thirsty? My God, like, what? I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. I was like, what? How could this have happened? And isn't there another brand kind of called like a like a, a glue? No, it's called Gorilla Snot. And it clearly oh, Gorilla Snot. Yes, yes. Very I don't different. know. I'm giving my good sister benefit of the doubt. Maybe, maybe. But I was entertained. I don't know well, if that's ever coming out. But no, it's not. Good luck, sis. Yeah, I'm, best of luck. I hope nothing like your scalp isn't like, I, I hope she's well. I hope she's well. Um, In the spirit of this week's episode, which is all about our uh, fillers and things, I am leaving Kylie Jenner's body on red. Um, I unfollowed this young lady quite some time ago because she really blows mine. Um, I think I only follow Kim and that's because... I don't know. Sometimes I like her looks. Kylie's looks irritate me. Um, what? I feel like that's like the body that you want. Kylie's body? Yeah, you always send pictures. You sent picture of this guy with like Kylie's body and you're like, oh, I want that. And now you're putting- Oh, no, no, no. I'm being facetious. That looks fucking crazy. <laughs> oh, I thought that was like your your goals. That, that's never, I will never attain that. And if I tried to, I would look stupid like a claremont twin no shade love them but they look ridiculous like no no absolutely not that body actually looks 
not so absurd on her. Like she didn't go Claremont twin style where like the whole ass is like an extra part of her, but it's just like, girl, these are fake titties. You enhanced your hips. You enhanced your ass. Like, I don't know. She, oh, the whole face, the whole face. So I'm like, why are we saying this is puberty or this is like a post baby body or whatever? Like, why, what are these lies? Like, what? Stop lying. If I was cool, I would be like, stop capping. But I don't know how to really use that. So I think I did it, but you know, it doesn't really flow off my mouth the same way. But like, what the fuck are you lying for? It's just annoying. It's really annoying. I just, it's, it irritates the shit out of me because she has so many girls that like look up to her from both sides, young white girls and young black girls. And I feel like some people are drinking the Kool-Aid. Like they think that that's her body. I don't know, but I'm leaving that whole ting on red. Shit is ridiculous. I am, however, replying to my beautiful face um, that was enhanced by the beautiful Dr. Camille Cash, who we will be talking about in a bit. Um, I literally love my lips. I keep putting on lipsticks and glosses and I'm not gonna lie, I kind of want more filler. And I love my nose and I can't wait. I think for my 30th birthday, I'm gonna get my nose job and uh, don't at me. I, however, would love to put you guys on the spot and I want you to say, what did you do with Dr. Cash? My under eyes and uh, she put some in my cheek apples. Come on, cheek apples. Or apples of cheeks? I don't know. I don't know. One of the apples of your cheeks. It looks good as fuck. I got lip filler. Also, something called, I think they're called columns. So it's like the little like dent above your lip that really accentuates your cupid's bow. So she added a little bit up there. I got chin filler. And then I got Botox in my masseter. And I got Botox... um, like above my upper lip because I have a, a gummy smile. So your the Botox above your upper lip stops your lip from rising a lot. And then Chelsea, you and I both also got Botox in our chins. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. But which it like yeah, I have it like stops your chin from chin. yeah dimpling. Ah oh yeah, I also mm-hmm. got Botox in between my eyebrows because um, that aided in the nose filler because I wanted to have like a smoother bridge and it just like lifts it all up. I'm obsessed. I never thought about it. And I furrow my fucking brows so much. And now I can't. And it's fabulous. So I'm replying to that after I just dragged Kylie Jenner for getting all that shit done. But mind you, I just told you what I did. I'm not walking Correct. around here acting like my lips are just, I mean, my lips were fire before, but like even more fire, like because I've got fucking filler. Like, I don't think it's that hard, especially once you start you know, gallivanting around like I'm the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah, of course, because you paid to look that way. Like, I don't, fucking annoying. But don't always assume because people think I get lip filler and I don't. These are au natural. Yes, of course. We cannot, we cannot always assume. I just feel like people need to stop. Stop capping. Like even Gigi Hadid has like, I think she did the beauty thing with Vogue and she was like, you know, people think I got work done, but it's really just that I have a new makeup bar. I got a makeup Oh, she bar. lied like that? And I used to, I used to do my own makeup. And then, you know, it's the power of like contour. And I'm like, sure, the power of contour, 
a drop of filler here, a drop of Botox there. Girl, you didn't necessarily maybe get, you know, multiple syringes, but if you even got 0.25, that's filler. So Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Gigi is the one with the dark hair, right? No, that's the no, blonde that's Bella. one. Okay, because I'm like, that girl has a whole different face. <laughs> Bella yeah, got a whole new face. She came out her mouth. She is a whole lie. <laughs> and the no. thing is, Gigi was always pretty. Pretty, like, right. yes, very. But like, she definitely enhanced herself and like, girl, Absolutely. you got the money. Why not? Why not? Anywho, done with my rant and rave. Um, is anyone's hot my bling? Oh my god! Yes. Okay, so I'm I'm clearly like on a trip right now or something because, as I said, it took me seven hours to watch this fucking film because, as I took a pause, I was texting one of my friends like, "Yo, did you watch this movie?" And then we started looking at this list. Um, of time compiled this list of the 25 most like essential works by black artists that are a part of this black renaissance so we were like talking through this list talking about how we're going to like really fucking make some shit that's going to trans fucking form the world and it was just so encouraging and inspiring and we were just like messaging each other all this shit about how we were going to support each other through it all and it just like kicked me in my ass and I just it was just one of those very like stimulating exciting kind of frenetic conversations and like vibes that I haven't felt in a long time and I like woke up this morning feeling like oh my god let's fucking do it yes so yeah, my hotline was blinging all That's night. That's a good hotline. All line. night. Yeah, it was great. It was really, really good. We love to see it. We love to see it. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk, we're going to talk about the Enneagrams, but very type four of you. Oh my God. Can I mention the, some of the things that made that list that were kind of interesting? The Telfar bag is one of the 25 things that are a part of the new Black Renaissance. I thought that was kind of cool. Scissors Control, um, To Pimp a Butterfly, Atlanta, Slave Play. Um, An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. Heavy by Casey Lamont. I just finished reading that book. It took me fucking forever, but made it through. Interesting read. I have thoughts about that one too. Um, <laughs> what else is on there? Uh, a, a play by Lynn Nottage. And it was really cool. The, the people, the, the board that like reviewed it included Jesus and Miro, um, oh, Ava DuVernay, dope. FKA Twigs. It was really cool. Where was Black Girls Texting on the list? <laughs> Oh, right. Don't, don't, don't care. Anyway, next year, next True. year, <laughs> next year. Oh, but yeah, my gosh. Kind of cool. We're so cool black to think about shit. the Renaissance and like that. Like, I don't know. That's dope. Yes, we we're on that list where it's an asterisk. My good sis, that's a black girl doing shit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going to jump into our black girl doing shit, which, as I mentioned, is Dr. Camille Cash. Just to give y'all the rundown so you know the facts, Dr. Cash is one of the top plastic surgeons in Houston, Texas. Um, she describes her work as double satisfaction when she sees her patients both looking better and feeling better about themselves. She graduated magna cum laude from Howard University. Let's go. H-U. You know. <laughs> Ooh, I don't think you're that. Do was that was fraudulent. <laughs> <laughs> she then returned to Houston and earned her MD from Baylor College of Medicine. So when she decided to become a surgeon, she entered a five-year general surgeon surgery residency through St. Joseph Hospital, and then went on to complete a two-year residency in plastic surgery. So she'd been in school for a real long time, and she is the first female 
African-American plastic surgeon in the state of Texas to be certified by the American Board of Surgery and the American Board of Plastic Surgery. She's not only an expert in her profession, but a wife and mother of three. So we're going to get into the group chat and hear from the gorgeous Dr. Camille Cash. All right, y'all. It's time for the group chat. This week, we are so excited to welcome Dr. Cash to the group chat. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. We are super excited. So the listeners already know the rundown about, (laughs) you know, what we did and why we came. So we just kind of wanted to jump right in to learn more about you. Um, And so you all know, again, we got fillers and neurotoxins. And our goal was to be ourselves, but better, which is your motto, Dr. Cash. Can you share more about where that motto came from, like the origin story and what it meant for you? So my motto is uh, you only better um, because part of my philosophy, you know, in starting my practice almost 18, uh, almost 19 years ago, you know, I was the first African-American female plastic surgeon in the state of Texas. And so when I came through my training, I didn't have mentors of color. Um, I didn't have, I didn't have female mentors in plastic surgery. I had some really great guys. Um, So shout out to Dr. Biggs and Cohen's and Collins, et cetera. But when I launched my practice, I knew that this was an opportunity for me to address um, plastic surgery and aesthetic surgery from a different angle. So it's about being embracing your diversity, your ethnic features, who you are as a woman. Um, and as an African-American woman, I was specifically, you know, kind of focused on that. Uh, the idea of looking plastic or fake wasn't anything that I was really interested in, you know, that wasn't my aesthetic. And, and so it's the, the idea of having a natural look at, at being enhanced, but not being necessarily overly augmented or creating artificial lines. That was something that I embraced from the very beginning of my practice. So hence the motto, you only better. I love that. And I felt that when we all sat in your chair, like one of my favorite things was we sat and consulted with you about, you know, Mm -hmm. some of our pain points or insecurities and things that we wanted to change, but you held the mirror to our faces, Mm -hmm. which I think is so empowering. And then you kind of went over, like, I just remember you being like, well, this is gorgeous, but we can, you know, tweak this or (laughs) add that. And it's one of those things that I think it makes you feel really good. And we felt so good being in the hands of a Black woman. Like there was a sense of safety. Um, How does that impact you, particularly with Black female clients, just seeing that there's like a rise, particularly, I think, in people kind of doing med spas and different procedures. And I think we, we saw it in plastic surgery with rhinoplasties and this cookie cutter approach to rhinoplasty where everybody wanted, you know, kind of the perfect little cute little small nose upturning uh, tip and things of that nature. And that doesn't always fit um, patients, not just patients of color, but it doesn't fit every patient at all. And so when I started my practice, again, it was about looking at a person, you know, you could walk in my office and you may have one thing on your mind and, and, and I might see something that I think should be changed, but that's not necessarily the approach. And, and, and who am I to say what should be changed on your face? I'm a plastic surgeon. I'm here to give you tools to enhance your beauty. So if you have a, a particular mole on your face that I might not find aesthetically appealing, but that's your familial trait, why, why is it my right to tell you that you should have that removed or that you should do something? Now, if a patient walks in and they say, I'm, I look tired, 
I want to look more refreshed. That's a different opening for me to say, okay, well, this is what's happening with your face. This is what happens with normal aging. And we can, we can change it. And I, and I tell my patients, I can go as fast as you want me to, or as, as slow as you want me to. So there's sometimes when we're just tweaking. And then there's sometimes when I'm trying to do something more, um, more dramatic or more transformative, but really I let the patient be somewhat of the guide. And if they're going in a wrong direction, certainly I will try to refocus them. Yeah. Um, I think another trend that we're kind of noticing these days is that this whole thing about getting girls, getting their bodies done and especially younger black women are getting their bodies done. So what, what you were just saying about sort of re, re-guiding them if they're going in a position that they, in a direction that might not be quite right. Cause I'm seeing girls that are like 25, 26, getting their whole bodies revamped. Younger, fresh out even of younger. school. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And maybe even the long-term implications of that, like getting a whole body rehaul and all the changes that your body can go through over time. I'm, I'm very sensitive to that I have two daughters, one's 21, one's 20. And even when they were in high school or younger, you know, it's, it's about empowering a woman's sense of worth. It's not to say you have to look like this in order to be successful, in order to be worthy of love. And that to me um, is really vital because part of what I do, really, I want patients to feel empowered. I want them to feel in love with themselves. I want them to feel excited to be who they are in their own skin. Because part of the reality of being a plastic surgeon is I can't make everybody look a certain way. I just don't, I have to work with your genetics and your DNA and your body structure. And so I I can't make everybody look the same way and, and nor do I want to. And really for me, it's, I take a holistic approach. I want you to love your body. I want you to love yourself. And there's a certain part of us that has to be reminded that none of us are perfect and we have to embrace our flaws as much, much as our, you know, our kind of our stronger points. And so it is a little disheartening for me to see these, what I call caricatures, of women that are being perpetuated as kind of the new norm of beauty. It's just as um, kind of uh, disconcerting, just like back in the 90s, we had supermodels that were super tall and beautiful, and that's great. We celebrate their look, but we all can't be supermodels. We all don't have that structure. And so let's celebrate a diversity of body types and help us all embrace who we are and what, what we're given. I love that. Um, I think now also on social media with the rise of like the filter, um, that's something that we're seeing, like everyone having the same face. I remember when I sat in your chair, I really Mm -hmm. had never thought about what I would ever do to my face, but I was like, okay, I just want to look like my filter because (laughs) it's like me, but a little better. Are you getting that a lot? You know, I think the filters are great, um, you know, because I'd like to look like my filter. People say, oh, that picture's so great. I'm like, yep, if I could look like, if I could wake up like that, like Beyonce says, <laughs> um, I did not wake up like this. <laughs> Trust me. And I do feel that there is um, a lot of women, a lot of patients that are looking for the natural look, the, I want to look like myself, um, depends on what your filter is. There are some certainly high resolution, super Photoshop filters out there. And again, um, that may not be exactly what I can achieve through fillers. And, and I tell patients, you know, what they'll, they'll bring in pictures of, you know, a celebrity and I want to look like her. I want to have her cheekbones. I'm like, well, you realize that she's contoured the heck out of her face with makeup and then she has a filter on top of it. So how do you, you know, they don't walk around looking like that. So that's just reality. 
Do you think anyone is obligated to say whether they've had work done or not? Like, I think my biggest frustration with some of these women is they'll get a lot of work done and then they're like selling flat tummy tea. And I'm like, ma'am, you had like no suction. But that at the same time, I'm like, okay, if you don't choose to disclose what you've done, like I can't force that upon you, but I feel like it creates like, unattainable standards that so many women then strive for you know nobody's obligated obviously obviously to tell their story I do wish sometimes people would get up and say yes I've had really good work done (laughs) I have had work done I've had a tummy tuck I've had my breasts done I've had fillers I've had Botox I get my hair colored you know let's just be real you don't have to say every detail but it, it does uh, irk me a little bit when people say, oh, I've just used olive oil on my face since I was two. Well, that's certainly not going to work for everybody. <laughs> um, and I and I do understand, you know, just because you have cosmetic surgery, you still have to eat right. You still have to exercise. And so it does come hand in hand. But I, 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 I kind of look at them with little side eye, like, mm-hmm, girl, mm-hmm. yeah, I know you did that, but you did this, that, and the other too. And you know what? There's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. Just, I wish it'd be a little, I, I love that some people are more open about it. Um, but you know, you can't force anybody to tell their, their medical history. Yeah. Like just destigmatize it. I'm like, since we've left, I've been like, I have filler in my nose. I love it. I want more. <laughs> I was going to say we are open books. I love to talk about my filler and give all the nitty gritty details. Oh, my God. oh, that's awesome. Well, I, I try to tell people, you know, I've had plastic surgery. I have three kids. I have plastic surgery. And so I went on a girl's trip. Oh, my gosh. A year ago before everything shut down. And that the memories of that trip has gotten me through, you know, this year. But I had my girls asked my girlfriends asked me, OK, they saw me in a bikini. And they're like, what's all this? I said, oh, all of this, all of this is genetics, plastic surgery, exercise, diet, eating right. This is very intentional. This is not just. I woke again, I woke up like this. No, no, no. Ah, yeah, no, I've, I've done some things and I'm happy to discuss, you know, some of it to a certain degree. I don't have to tell everything, but Mm -hmm. yeah, like I didn't know. Nope. I'm, I'm surgically enhanced and I'm okay with that. I I love that. So I know goals, (laughs) goals, goals. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So if there was one thing you could tell a potential future client to consider before coming in, what would that be? Well, one thing, gosh, I, I know I think, it's a little hard. I was like, it's, I, <laughs> there's probably yeah, a million things. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a lot of different things. Um, and it just depends on, I, I really, I think it's nice for me to understand what their goals are. So even when I have a patient that comes in for a breast augmentation and I will say, tell me what you don't like about your breasts or tell me what you'd like to see different about them. And then that gives me a, a lot more insight on what they're looking for and how I can best help them achieve their goals. I guess that's, that would be one thing. What, what are your goals? If you want mm-hmm. because if you tell me you want to look like, I don't know, Betty Boop, for example, I'm going to be like, <laughs> well, that's not possible. And if that's really your goal, maybe I'm not the surgeon for you and right. we can part ways. Um, I don't have that too much, you know, with, with, social media and website, I, you know, people are looking at my work before they come in and they should know by the time they get in my chair, um, what my aesthetics are and what they can expect. And if they want something much more dramatic, then I'm probably not the doctor for them. And, and I'm 
totally okay with that. I love that. I sleep, I sleep well. Well, that's not true. <laughs> I sleep, <laughs> I sleep at night pretty good. I do, I do sleep well that I, that I do put, you know, my patients first and my skills and my patients goals need to match. And I feel like I do a good job of that. So um, I'm, I feel comfortable in, in, in my approach. And if patients don't like my approach, I'm okay with them going someplace else. I love that. I love your approach. I'm already planning my trip back <laughs> to Houston. I, I know, a right? More little tweaks. Uh, but it's just so refreshing to hear what you're saying because I feel like everyone's just going for the same body, the same look. It's just getting exhausting. Yeah. yeah it was, it was like- interesting. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I totally agree. When I sat in your chair, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was nervous because I had never yeah. done anything to my face. And I, I was like, I don't want to like look different. <laughs> like right. I'm, I'm nervous. And then when I, you know, after the, I think next two days, the swelling went down. And when I saw my friends, they were like, oh, you look really nice. But like, no one mm-hmm. knew that I had done anything. And I feel like that's really, that's, that's, that's did a great thing. job. Yeah. Yeah. My coworker was like, what's going on? Are you in love? You look great. <laughs> Literally. She asked I me if I was that. in love. <laughs> and you said, yes, I'm in love with my with face. My face. Yeah. With me. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is, I love that. I love that. That is awesome. I'm going to use that. Okay. I'm stealing that. Oh yes. You know, we started coming up with our logo. So we're all like, we got cashed out. <laughs> oh, I love our, it. Our, I mottos, love it. our motto. Our logo. Oh, yeah, oh, I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dr. Cash, with all that being said, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find you? Like your website? You you really do a great job on social media. So we want the girls thank to you. know where to find you. So you can find me at, uh, of course, CamilleCashMD.com. I am Camille Cash MD on Facebook, which I know is kind of old. The real Dr. Cash <laughs> is my IG handle. I even have the uh, doctor spelled out cash on TikTok, um, which is a work in progress. (laughs) And I'm also on Snapchat. So, you know, it's, it's fun because I started my practice. There were no websites. Websites were just being developed. And so now this explosion of social media, it's hard to keep up with, but I have a group, a team approach. So shout out to Jacqueline and Kennedy who helped keep my social media accounts running. I love your social. It's so good. Thank you. Silhouette challenge and like you do your own challenges. You're better than us. I know. (laughs) I know. Well, I have a very strict director who will make me do it over and over again. It's actually quite funny. (laughs) Like, no, that's not right. And it happens to be my 20-year-old daughter. And she'll say, no, you need to do that again. That's not right. That's terrible. And I'm like, okay, here we go. They're on TikTok. (laughs) They're TikTokers. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cash. Thank you so much. We'll be back soon and we will send everyone your way. Okay, come on down. I may be coming to New York actually next week, maybe. Oh, Oh, let us know. I'll let you know. Okay. All right, y'all. It's great seeing you. You all look beautiful in love. Oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you Thank so much. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Y'all have a great one. You okay. too. Bye. Bye-bye. Before we get into our what would you do, we want to shout out our friends at Bolden USA. Bolden is a skincare line specially crafted for black and brown girls with a specific focus on hyperpigmentation and it's made from 100% natural ingredients. Discover their full line of products at boldenusa.com and use Black Girls Texting for 10% off. What would you do? 
Hey ladies, I'm a big fan and love that you guys give sound advice, but it also varies. So I hope you all keep that same energy with me. I'm coming up on 30 and have been seeing my boyfriend for the past four years. He is amazing, literally one of the best men I have ever met. The issue at hand is that my parents are devout Christians and his family is Jewish. We have talked about it and he is not asking me to convert or even to necessarily participate in religious holidays if it made me uncomfortable, which it doesn't. But he has just been very clear that this will not impact us. The challenge is my parents. They think his family is going to ultimately try and convert, get me to convert once kids come in the picture, since technically Judaism is matrilineal. I am so tired of the back and forth with my family and starting to feel like I should just never talk to them again. I know this is heavy, but if you could put yourself in my shoes, what would you do? I don't have a name, so I don't know. This is an anonymous, anonymous DM. Mm. Sounds like she's projecting to me. She's projecting. Yeah, like there is no issue. She's like saying that her parents are going to do something that they haven't even done yet. Just like leave it alone. I don't know. Well, she said her parents, her parents think his family is going to try and convert her, have her convert. Okay, and then that decision is going to be up to her. Right, but the parents, I'm guessing, are the ones, her parents, anonymous DM, devout Christian parents, are being like, they're going to make you convert. They're going to make you convert. And so there's this, I think that's the back and forth. I would just say, I won't convert unless I choose to convert, period. Right. I mean, does she not want to convert? Yeah, that's what I'm not clear on either. Like, if you don't want to convert, girl, don't convert. If you do want to convert, convert. The way I interpreted this is that her parents are trying to give her fever about being with him. And the and she's like, I don't see the big deal. And they're like, oh, once once kids come in the picture, it's going to be a problem. Like, you think it's not a problem now, but it will be. So I don't know if that's them trying to sway her to not get married or just trying to be precautionary like that's all I could imagine the back and forth would be I don't know what else it could be and I guess I guess that's putting like a weird energy is like hanging around the relationship right like I guess whenever she's Mm -hmm. trying to share the joys of the relationship and shit she's always getting this like energy from her her family but I mean like it's a you said the, the the listener said that her parents are devout Christians but doesn't sound like she is Mm-hmm. Like she hasn't said if she's open to converting, if she wants to convert, is that is she concerned about like upsetting her family? Is that going to con- create a divide? Because if that's if if converting is something that's important to him and you're down for that, um, then then maybe you'll cross that bridge when you come to it, and everybody's going to have to like respect that. I I know that like it would it's unfortunate that you would maybe not be res- respecting quote unquote what your parents like the religion that your parents believe in or whatever but if this is something that's going to keep your family together like this new family unit that you'll be building with your partner then that kind of makes sense in theory too right or maybe you and your husband might decide to do something else how much does he practice judaism maybe both of y'all can go off script i don't know yeah it doesn't seem like the husband cares that much yeah and I just think you need to be direct, like with your family, with your husband, with yourself. What do you want to do? No one can force you to do anything. Um, And who knows, maybe he'd actually want to convert. My cousin's husband, who is Jewish, became Catholic. So, Mm. yeah, I mean, I get that you don't want to. I feel like it's kind of hard to say cross that bridge when it comes because that's a big bridge. But 
uh, I think you need to decide what your boundaries are going to be now, because if your parents are, are pressing you and then they start being nasty and it becomes like, oh, well, I'm not coming to the wedding or I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. Like you have to understand if you're going to be okay with that. And if you aren't, maybe start having some of the hard conversations now. I don't know if those hard conversations are part of the back and forth, but um, I wish you the best of luck. If I were in your shoes, I would just be very direct with my parents. Like my mother be talking about, your kids have to have Yoruba names and you have to do this and that. And I'm like, I don't have to do shit. Um, So there's that. And uh, she knows the vibes, so. Exactly, you don't. It's your kids, it's your family. Do what you want. Good luck, sis. Good luck, girl. Thanks again for listening to Black Girls Texting. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh, and don't forget to text every group chat you're in and tell them to check us out. Follow your girls at Black Girls Texting and we'll see you next week. Bye.